I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Monday afternoon. And a lot has happened. There was a lot that went on this weekend, a lot that happened even today. Uh, in the world of Iowa athletics, I uh, didn't have time for any uh, post-game instant reactions over the weekend, so I figured I'd just kind of wait till Monday afternoon and uh, and do it all in one fell swoop. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the good, the Iowa women, back-to-back Big Ten tournament champions, uh, and what a weekend it was for Caitlin Clark and Bluters Bunch and uh, Gabby Marshall and Monica Sonano and Kate Martin and McKenna Warnock and the whole crew. Jan Jensen and Lisa Bluter and the entire program and uh, the 9,500-plus fans who set a Big Ten tournament attendance record up in Minneapolis. Carver North is what we now call the Target Center. And uh, just what an incredible weekend uh, from this Iowa team, this Iowa women's team, and from uh, from Caitlin Clark herself. Killing teams. Playing really well. Playing well at the right time. Now I have a couple of weeks off before the NCAA tournament begins. Uh, certainly will uh, will host some games in the NCAA tournament in Iowa City. So a couple of more chances to sell out Carver Hawkeye Arena and to, uh, to watch this team and, and hopefully to send them into a sweet 16. Uh, they fell short last year uh, and, and hopefully send them, you know, on the path to an historic postseason because that's kind of how it feels right now. Uh, it feels like this team, the way they're playing, um, is, is going to be really, really difficult to beat. Uh, by anybody who's not an an elite team as well, and there are several of those, and and I was susceptible to losing to those, but they're also susceptible to uh, to beating those. Susceptible is not the right word for that second one. They're also capable of beating those teams, uh, as we've seen multiple times throughout the season, and certainly uh, more recently than that, this last week or so. Playing really well, the, these women are. The only hiccup uh, over the last, I mean, several weeks, I guess. Was at Maryland last week. They uh, they got dominated in that game. I guess that would have been almost two weeks ago now. Um, but they got that back on Saturday afternoon at the Big Ten tournament with a win over a good Maryland team, a really good Maryland team, uh, a Maryland team that is a, a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament by most projections right now, right along with where Iowa is. Um, a Maryland team that played well on Saturday against Iowa, an 89-84 win for the Hawkeyes, and uh, and Maryland kind of had answers for everything that Iowa had for the most part, but Iowa and Gabby Marshall more than anybody really just uh, kind of capable of or able to uh, to put that one away. Gabby Marshall had seven threes uh, in that game. Caitlin Clark had five herself uh, to lead all scores with 22 points. Uh, but Iowa had McKenna Warnock and Gabby Marshall both with 21 points. All five starters scored in double figures. Throw Sinano's 15, Kate Martin's 10 in there as well. And uh, and you punched your ticket to the Big Ten Championship game. And that's something Indiana was unable to do. As Ohio State erased a 24-point deficit 
uh, to the Hoosiers and and won that game in the semifinal and punched their ticket into the championship game against our Iowa Hawkeyes. And this was not a game at all. Honestly, there's a part of me that that wishes we had seen Indiana yesterday rather than Ohio State, just because that was kind of the matchup that that we were geared up for. You wanted that rubber match. You wanted to see how you matched up against that team on a neutral floor. I felt like Iowa, especially the way they were playing and, and ultimately the way they played yesterday, uh, would have done well in that matchup. And uh, and maybe a win over Indiana, another win over Indiana, may have vaulted Iowa to a number one seed. And maybe the win over Ohio State did. We don't know yet. Selection Sunday is obviously uh, this coming Sunday. And it did vault the Iowa women into the number two ranking uh, in the AP poll. Highest in 30 years, uh, just behind South Carolina. They jumped five spots to number two, and rightfully so. This is uh, one of the best teams in the country. Um, but yeah, you you almost wish you had had Indiana yesterday uh, to give you more of a challenge, certainly give people more of a game to watch. Um, we had my in-laws over. I had set up like this projector screen up in our, our upstairs area where we don't normally have a TV, but it's by the kitchen. And, you know, we wanted to have this kind of game day atmosphere, this, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, like a Super Bowl party type atmosphere uh, yesterday afternoon and evening waiting for this game to start. And it was all set up and everything was there and everybody uh, everybody showed up except for Ohio State. And this game was over quickly, man. And uh, it, and it, even though Ohio State had just erased that big deficit against Indiana, it never really felt like the Buckeyes threatened in this game. Uh, and they clearly didn't. Uh, Iowa came out and just ran them out of the gym. It was, what, 26-9 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, it was far out of reach by halftime. And then Iowa just kind of kept putting it on uh, I guess Ohio State outscored Iowa in the third quarter but that second quarter 35 to 15 I mean you put up 35 points in a quarter you put up 105 points in a, in a game and you're playing really really well and uh and nobody playing better than Caitlin Clark 30 points 17 assists 10 rebounds I believe her 10th triple double of her career her third of the season I think her third of the season her third 30 point triple double of her career which is an incredible stat um and she just, she does everything. She does that little bit of everything, and it's so much fun to watch. Monica Sinano had a big game as well, 26 points and seven rebounds. Uh, Kate Martin had 13 points. Gabby Marshall stayed hot from three, three of three uh, for nine points. And then you got a little bit of everybody in into the action as well, uh, which is cool. I mean, you can empty your bench in a Big Ten championship game. Not Not often. That you get that kind of a uh, of a chance. Not often that you are able to give kind of your deeper bench players that kind of a uh, of an experience to get into a game against an elite team in a big moment in an, on a neutral court with a, a championship on the line, and uh, and that they just did it. So yeah, kind of a dud of a game, but certainly a party in Minneapolis. And man, if if you made the trip up there, good on you. I, I wish that we had been able to. Uh, you sounded great on TV. That felt like a home game. Both the Maryland. And uh, Ohio State games felt like home games for Iowa from from a TV standpoint. I'm sure it felt like that inside the Target Center as well. Uh, just a great crowd. And again, set the attendance record. I mean, Iowa set the Big Ten attendance record at home this year. I know they set the Assembly Hall record when they played there. They set the Nebraska Arena record when they played there. Set the, the, uh, the Big Ten tournament record when they play there. Caitlin Clark is a transcendent star. People want to see her. And that's really, really cool. Uh, this, you know, the spotlight is is bigger than ever. The the star for Caitlin Clark continues to rise, and she just continues to answer the call and uh, and and come up big in the big moments. And so, uh, 
Yeah. Fantastic. It's go time, right? Now it's go time. You lived up to, maybe even exceeded expectations to this point. I mean, I was a top five team to start the season. Expected to win the Big Ten. Fell just short of the regular season championship. Won the tournament championship. Finishes the season uh, number two in the AP poll. Lived up to expectations. Maybe exceeded expectations. Now go make history. Now go do something that hasn't been done before. Go hang a Final Four banner inside Carver-Hawkeye Arena. That'd be pretty cool. You have to make a run now. And does this week and a half off, two weeks off, help or hurt? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, You know, there's a part of me that feels like the momentum is going right now in a a way that you just kind of want to keep playing. But, um, you know, this is the schedule, and uh, they'll have to deal with it, same as everybody else. But uh, now just all you have to do now is go do something that's never been done uh, at the University of Iowa and go – Go make a final four in women's basketball. I don't believe it's ever been done. I know Lisa Bluter has gotten a team to the Elite Eight. Um, I don't believe it's ever been done, a final four for the women. And man, how nice to have a team where you kind of know what you're going to get and you 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 don't they, they don't disappoint you. The stars, the star doesn't disappear. <laughs> you, we'll talk about the uh, team on the other side of the coin in just a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sunday wasn't just a great day for women's basketball. It was a terrible day for men's basketball. Terrible, maybe, maybe too far. Um, it certainly felt that way, though, didn't it? An ugly loss at home to Nebraska that hurts on just so many levels. Um, first of all, there was just so much on the line. Uh, there was there was uh, NCAA seeding. It felt like was certainly on the line to some extent, but uh, directly on the line was Big Ten tournament seeding. The double buy that is gone. Uh, you now have to play Thursday and have to win four games in four days like you did last year if you want to win this tournament. Uh, that just that, that just sucks. Um, the 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 senior day aspect of it really hurts and and Chris Murray throw him in there too to to send Connor McCaffrey, Philip Robracha, and likely Chris Murray uh, out of Carver Hawkeye Arena with a loss like that uh, really, really sucks. It's Nebraska. It's freaking Nebraska and Fred Hoiberg of all coaches. Ugh, that sucked. And then, yeah, as I mentioned, the NCAA seeding, and, and we'll talk about some of that later. Credit to Fred Hoiberg and credit to Nebraska. He has turned that thing around, got the vote of confidence from Trev Alberts a year ago, saying he'll get you know one more year. I think they reduced his buyout in, in the expectation of, of having to get rid of him after this season, and they're, they're not going to have to. They won five of their last six games. Uh, nine and eleven in conference play this season. That's far better than they've been under Fred Hoiberg any year. Uh, that that's a tough team, a good team that just swept Iowa. Iowa got swept by Nebraska and Wisconsin, and swept Indiana and Rutgers. What a weird, weird season it's been. Uh, focusing on that game still, just for a few more minutes. You know, Patrick McCaffrey was great. You loved the whole narrative in the first half of. Of uh, you know him telling Robbie Hummel he's going to hit five threes and then doing so in the first half that was a lot of fun. 
He ended up 6 of 10 from 3 with 23 points. He led the Hawkeyes in scoring, led all scorers in scoring. Chris Murray had 22 points, but just 3 of 13 from the three-point line. And that's kind of the story of the game for the Hawkeyes, uh, who who did not shoot well from behind the arc. Peyton Sanford, 2 of 9. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, 1 of 4. Uh, Peyton Sanford had one really ill-advised 3 late in the game, too. They just kind of came down and, and, and hucked it up. Uh, Connor McCaffrey had that interesting block charge call, but you know, you stare down a ref, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt and you can't be, be in that position anyway. And, uh, and Iowa goes down to 81 to 77 at home to Nebraska falls to 11 and nine in the conference, 19 and 12 on the season. So fell just short or has fallen thus far, just short of that 20 win mark. And they're going to be the fifth season in a row with 20 wins, assuming they get another win, which may be a big assumption. Uh, but some of the stats are just mind blowing. I mean, Iowa had 21 more shots than Nebraska did and made four fewer than Nebraska did. That's wild. That's wild. Iowa took 37 three pointers on 74 shots. 37 three pointers made just 12 of those. 11 of seven at the free throw line. 11 of 17, rather. That's that's bad. You can't miss six free throws in a, a three point four point game. Uh, the turnovers, Iowa forced 15 turnovers with 12 steals. The second chance point stats were were super lopsided. Iowa had just six turnovers, turnovers of its own. And yet, you come away with a loss because you can't hit threes, you can't hit shots down the stretch, and you can't get a defensive stop. And so that, that forces you to play on Thursday. It eliminates that double bye, uh, which really felt like was uh, was a was a, an accomplishment for this team who had started so poorly right it really felt like to start 0 and 3 to go through some of the struggles that that Iowa has gone through this season uh with injuries and Patrick McCaffrey and all of this and had the opportunity to play for a double bye you had everything that you needed to happen happen this this past week with teams losing in front of you it's all just there for you and you can't finish the deal. You can't do the one thing you need to do, which is go out and get a big win at home against a not great Nebraska team. Feels a lot like football. I know that comparison has been made a lot. I'm not going to do it again, but it's there for a reason. So Patrick was great. Chris struggled a little bit. Tony disappeared. You need you need a better Tony Perkins than you got. I think he just had six shots, but scored six points. Um, Robracha was double teamed. He had he had kind of a tough game down there as well, and. Uh, I would just can't do it with one or two guys. You, you can't get two guys to score in the twenties and, and beat teams with this defense. You're going to have to have three or four guys have big games uh, to, to do that. And they just didn't on Sunday afternoon. So it is what it is. And, and we now move on and you're the five seed in the, uh, the big 10 tournament, no double bye. So again, you'll need to win the four games in four days to win the championship and and uh, copy the women and go back to back at the Big Ten tournament. Um, you're back on Purdue side of the bracket, which really sucks because I think that's the the team that you're most worried about in the Big Ten. Um, you have Ohio State or Wisconsin coming on Thursday. I think that's going to be about a one thirty, maybe closer to two o'clock game on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so you have either Ohio State or Wisconsin coming. I was one in three against those teams this season. Lost to Wisconsin just a couple of weeks ago. So you don't feel great about that. 
Um, you don't feel terrible about that either. Those are games you should win. And then, you know, looking ahead at the bracket, there are teams that you should beat also. But here's the ugly truth. There is no team in the Big Ten I'm positive we would lose to, even Purdue. Purdue's the team I'd give us the the least odds of, win, of beating. Uh, but we beat them in the Big Ten championship game last year. There's no reason to think other teams have beaten Purdue. They're not a world beater. There's no reason to think that it's impossible for Iowa to beat Purdue in Chicago this weekend. But the flip side of that coin is there's also no team in the Big Ten that I'm positive we're going to beat. No team. No team. And you you can extrapolate that further. There is no team in the country that I give Iowa a 0% chance of beating, and there's no team in the country that I give Iowa a 100% chance of beating. It's not about them. It's about us. If we shoot the lights out, we'll be okay. If we shoot the way we did at Indiana, shoot the way we did in the final 90 seconds and then overtime period against Michigan State, shoot the way that we've been able to shoot several times this season. So it's not like an impossible fluky thing. Iowa could get hot and beat anybody. If Iowa gets hot for six games, they could win the national championship. I'm not joking about that. I believe that. They could get bounced in the first round even if they were a one seed. I believe that too. It's not about the other team. It's not about the matchup. It's about the Hawkeyes. If they go cold for even five minutes, the defense can't get enough stops to win. You go six minutes without a free without a field goal at the end of that Nebraska game, that's the game. You do that in the, the Big Ten tournament, you're going to lose. You do that in the NCAA tournament, you're going to lose. Will Iowa be one and done in the NCAA tournament or get a sweet 16? The only way to answer that question is to look at the box score. How do we shoot? How many threes do we make? Did Tony have a big game? Did Peyton have a big game? And did Chris not disappear? Did Robracha play well? If those four things happen, we got a good chance. If Iowa shoots the lights out there, a Sweet 16, Elite 8 caliber team. They truly are. But they're so at risk of having an off game or an off half or an off 10 minutes and losing to anybody. To anybody. The East Illinois game wasn't a fluke. Just like the Indiana game wasn't a fluke. It's not about them. It's about us. So what's that loss mean? For NCAA tournament seeding, it's hard to tell, obviously. So much up in the air. So much is going to happen this week. You lose to a bad Ohio State or Wisconsin team again. Um, you may be looking to drop into that 8-9 line. Bracketmatrix.com is a, a website that aggregates a bunch of different bracketology projections. Iowa right now, the final seven seed uh, in those projections. You really need to stay out of that 8-9 game. Uh, a, because... The, the ninth seed is going to be a good team, but mostly because you don't want a one seed on the weekend. The seven is better, but not much better. You're still, you're still looking at a, a, a good 10 seed team and a very good two seed team uh, to get to a sweet 16, which is the stated goal for all of us. Let's be honest. That's what I was. That's the, that's the goal. Get there and we can talk, get there and we can look ahead. Don't get there. And if it, it feels like you fell short, whether that's fair or not, it's not fair. It's not whether or not it's fair. It is not fair. I've talked about this several times. I don't like that we put so much weight on the NCAA tournament, but it is what it is, and it's how it goes. So likely looking at a seven seed. We learned last year you don't move up a whole lot uh, with wins in the Big Ten tournament. There's potential that Iowa could move up to a six seed, although I think that's probably gone. 
uh, which really, really sucks. I think if you beat Nebraska, you get that double bye. There's potential you can move up to a sixth seed. I'm just not sure that's possible. Um, you know, it feels like it feels like another early March exit. And I, again, I'm not putting anything past this team because if they come out shooting hot in either this weekend in Chicago or next weekend, wherever they are in the NCAA tournament, they can beat anybody. They can get to a Sweet 16. They can win a Big Ten championship. But I haven't seen the consistency in shooting or on defense to make me believe that's possible. I don't believe the defense is possible, uh, but can you outscore the other team? Iowa can outscore a lot of teams, and on any given night, they can outscore anybody. But how many of those any given nights are you going to get in a row? That's the really tough thing, and and that's kind of the come-to-earth thing that that I realized. Uh, and I've, you know, I've been kind of circling for uh, several weeks now, but um, it's not about them. It's about us. Let's see what we can do. Cover a few more things. Baseball had a big weekend, uh, another uh, another three and zero weekend, rolling right now, nationally ranked. I think twenty first or twenty third. Time to start paying attention to Iowa baseball if, if you haven't yet. Uh, it is underway, and this team looks good, uh, looks poised to make some noise in the Big Ten and, and potentially get back to an NCAA tournament. Um, you know, a, a College World Series would be great. It'd be fun, fun, fun to invade Omaha for a College World Series. That's putting the cart before the horse. Let's just keep winning, but this does feel like a good team. Wrestling got through the Big Tens, now into Nationals. I'm not going to talk a ton about wrestling, uh, as I don't know a ton about wrestling. I'll try to get Cody Goodwin on here in the next couple of weeks and talk about some of that, but obviously Spencer Lee, uh, the big name. And, uh, and you know, can you chase down Penn State? Unable to do it in the Big Ten Championships. Uh, can you have, you know, the week of your lives at the NCAA Tournament and NCAA Championships and... And upend Penn State, win and win another natty. You know, feels like a long shot, but stranger things have happened. And uh, I think all ten Iowa wrestlers into the nationals, so that's that's really cool as well. Wanted to spend just a couple of minutes talking about uh, the racial discrimination lawsuit and the settlement. Um, nine players had uh, sued Iowa Athletics, uh, the Board of Regents, and at the time, Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz. Chris Doyle and Gary Barta uh, for racial discrimination. Late last week, those individual names were taken off of. I think Seth Wallace was on and off of there at some point as well. Uh, but late last week, those individual names were taken off of the lawsuit. That led us to believe that a settlement was uh, imminent, and that's exactly what the case was. Uh, $4.175 million from the University of Iowa and the Board of Regents to these players. They were asking for, I think, $20 million at one point. So uh, settling for far less than that. There's also some uh, some things in there for mental health uh, services for these players and the uh, the pr- opportunity for these players to uh, get their graduate postgraduate degrees, um, not at Iowa necessarily, but paid for uh, by the University of Iowa. So in all, just over two or just over four million dollars uh, going to these players, and uh, uh, a little more than half of that coming from Iowa Athletics, about two million of that coming from taxpayers, and this will end, you know, at least one of the chapters of this uh, of this almost three year old um, racial discrimination story and conversation and uh allegations and you know the 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 culture change at Iowa 
Um, this ends at least one chapter of this. Rob Sand, the state auditor for the uh, state of Iowa, made a statement this morning before he and uh, two other members of the uh, Board of Appeals voted on this settlement and whether or not Iowa was going to accept, as a state, was going to accept this settlement and, and pay it out. And Rob Sand made it very clear he didn't want to pay this out. Uh, he he didn't want this $2 million, which is coming out of taxpayer money, uh, to be included in this. And, and whether that meant that they go back to the negotiating table, whether that meant that this ultimately goes to trial, or whether that meant that they negotiate in a way that Iowa can pay it all from their athletics department budget, uh, was was you know neither here nor there. All Rob Sand said was, if if the taxpayers are going to pay this, uh, we need Gary Barta out. And the, his reasoning behind that is that this is the fourth discrimination lawsuit uh, settlement payment that that Iowa is going to pay under Gary Barta's leadership, and that's not a great track record, and it certainly isn't. And I would like to see a new athletic director at the University of Iowa for a bunch of different reasons. It's not going to happen. This was never going to happen. It didn't happen. Uh, Rob Sand was outvoted two to one with that Board of Appeals today. So that settlement is going through and uh, and two million of that will come from taxpayers money. Now, I, I know it's it's easy to say that none of the money should come from taxpayers. And I, I agree with that. It's it. It doesn't feel fair that we all have to foot the bill for this racial discrimination lawsuit. But that's not the way the world works. It's logical to see why this is coming from taxpayer money, or at least this portion of it is. And it's, it wasn't just an, a lawsuit that was aimed at Iowa athletics. The Iowa football team is not settling out of this lawsuit. The Iowa athletic department, the University of Iowa, is not settling out of this lawsuit. They're doing so in conjunction with the Board of Regents, the Board of Regents is a taxpayer-funded entity. That money comes from taxpayers. It is what it is. It's not great. I don't like it either. It's a bad look. It is what it is. Now, Kirk Ferentz released a statement not long after the announcement of this settlement uh, being finalized. Um, and it is a scathing statement. I'm reading this from Chad Lysko in the Des Moines Register. This is Kirk Ferentz's statement on the uh, the settlement today in this racial discrimination lawsuit. I am greatly disappointed in how this legal matter was resolved. However, I am grateful for the many players, parents, donors, fans, and others who remain supportive of our coaches and program during this time. The settlement negotiations took place between Plaintiff's Counsel and the Iowa Attorney General's Office, which represents the University of Iowa and the Board of Regents. These discussions took place entirely without the knowledge or consent of the coaches who were named in the lawsuit. In fact, the parties originally named disagree with the decision to settle, fully believing that the case would have been dismissed with prejudice before trial. A motion for summary judgment was filed, which outlined why the case should have been dismissed. Unfortunately, this settlement was reached between the plaintiff's attorney and the Iowa Attorney's General's Office before the judge had an opportunity to rule on the motion. We have been told the reason for the settlement is financial. As part of the settlement, the coaches named were dismissed from the lawsuit, and there is no admission of any wrongdoing. For more than two years, our program has been unfairly and negatively impacted by these allegations. Members of staff had their character and reputation tarnished by former members of our team who said things, then recanted many statements when questioned under oath. Today, we move forward. My focus is entirely on the players, coaches, and staff as we prepare for the 2023 season. 
That is the statement from Kirk Ferentz. The 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 thing I uh, the thing that jumps out at me. Well, first of all, they they believed that they were going to get their way in this case. Clearly, the attorney general's office uh, did not see things that way. Um, Kirk Ferentz is upset because this makes it look like he settled. It makes it look like there were issues in his program, that there was racism in his program uh, that was worthy of of paying out you know, upwards of $4 million to these students. I do take a little issue with the, our program has been unfairly and negatively impacted by these allegations. They've certainly been negatively impacted. The program has certainly been negatively impact, impacted by these allegations uh, and everything that has happened since the summer of 2023. But unfairly is the word that that sticks with me a little bit. Um, there was a discriminatory system in place at Iowa until 2020. Now there there's, there is no denying that. That's simple. That's simply a fact. Now we can discuss or argue if that was intentional or how widespread it was or how targeted it was or honestly whether. Like race was the 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 issue there at all, but the bottom line is black players felt like they were treated differently than white players within the Iowa program, and not just ones with an axe to grind, and not just ones who wanted a, a money grab and a lawsuit, and not just ones who never played or got kicked off the team, and not just ones who you know fit a certain uh, bill, looks wise or background wise or anything like that. All sorts of black players and several white players on their behalf said this. It did happen. It did exist. I also believe that Kirk Ferentz, I believe Kirk Ferentz when he says that he feels bad about that, that he wants to change it, and that he's doing things to change it. I believe that the the players, when they say the culture has changed, the players inside that program, Kayvon Merriweather, among others, that say those changes have begun to happen and, and do continue to happen. Now it's on us as fans and media to hold them accountable and make sure that those changes continue to happen. But this hasn't been unfair. Maybe this lawsuit, parts of it were unfair. Maybe we'll know. Maybe we'll, we'll never learn. Um, this ends this chapter. It doesn't end the story. There was a discriminatory system in place at Iowa within the Iowa football program. In my mind, that's undeniable. That's terrible. It's embarrassing. Hopefully it's getting fixed. The settlement closes this chapter of it. And I get why Kerr Ferentz is upset that that the settlement happened. It makes it look like it makes it look like he's implicated and he doesn't think he should be. It makes it look like his son is implicated. He doesn't think he should be. We'll have more time to talk about all this stuff moving forward. And uh, again, I don't, I don't want to say like I'm tired of talking about it because it is a, it's a very important thing. It's very important to me that these allegations have been taken seriously and that changes continue to be made in that program. You're not getting rid of Gary Barta anytime soon. You're not getting rid of Kirk Ferentz anytime soon. You're probably not getting rid of Brian Ferentz anytime soon. I'm okay with one of those three things. <laughs> And uh, I guess my mantra for this entire podcast is it is what it is. Uh, we will be looking forward to the Big Ten tournament here Thursday, one thirty or 2 o'clock against either Ohio State and, and or Wisconsin. Uh, not and or Wisconsin. You can't play both of them. 
uh, on Thursday, uh, trying to get through another Big Ten tournament and uh, and hoist another trophy in Chicago and uh, and match the women who are on their way to a potential one seed in the NCAA tournament, certainly a two seed, and certainly staying away from South Carolina. Baseball, wrestling, it's all going on. It's all covered at HawkeyeNation.com. Check us out, HawkeyeNation.com. We appreciate you listening. Give us a follow on social media. And hey, go Hawks. 